Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. August 10, 1987. It was Monday and the sun was finally peeking through the clouds after a weekend of hard rain and flooding in Northeast Ohio. Janice Christensen was ready to take advantage of the break in the weather. The 31-year-old laced up her running shoes and stepped out of her house on Quick Road in Cuyahoga Falls. Janice was obsessed with fitness. It was just after 9 a.m., and she had already hit the gym that morning with her husband, Ken. They were members of the World Gym on State Route 8 in Macedonia. Ken left for work around 7 a.m. He was a foreman at Thunder Landscaping in Hudson. Then Janice talked to her mom, Anne. They made plans for an afternoon of lunch and shopping at Chapel Hill Mall, but that left time for a run. Janice often took her dog, Wolf, with her. A few months earlier, a photographer for the Akron Beacon Journal, wandering the community in search of a spring feature photo, came across Janice and the 70-pound Rhodesian Ridgeback on one of their runs. The picture was featured in the paper. Wolf was not invited on this run, however. The last thing she wanted was a large, wet, and smelly dog in her car on the ride home. About 9.30 a.m., Janice pulled her bronze 1983 Toyota Tercel from the drive and headed for one of her regular haunts, the Summit County Bike and Hike Trail. She did not return. From Ohio Mysteries, the Akron Beacon Journal, and beaconjournal.com, this is Unresolved, a look at the unsolved murders and disappearances from the greater Akron area. I'm Paula Schleiss, co-host of Ohio Mysteries, and helping with this ongoing series, which is covered in this podcast, as well as stories in print and online, are Beacon Journal reporter Stephanie Warsmith and my podcast host, Steve Yoder. Now, Unresolved Episode 1, Janice Christensen. Janice was one of five siblings, two girls and three boys, born to Fred and Ann Hewitt. She loved all things outdoors, from horseback riding to gardening. Entering her 30s, she was getting ready for a significant change in her life. She and Ken were planning a move to Florida. In preparation, Janice had already cut back on her hours as a computer operator at Cuyahoga Falls General Hospital where she had worked for eight years. That left a few extra leisure hours, which she was using to store up on quality time with her family, like this afternoon that she had planned with her mom. 
at 11.30 a.m., Anne Hewitt arrived at Janice's house to pick her up for their lunch and shopping date. Janice wasn't home yet. And as the clock continued to mark minutes and then hours, she became increasingly alarmed. It was so uncharacteristic of Janice. After Ken returned home from work and learned there had been no word from his wife all afternoon, he didn't wait. He called Cuyahoga Falls Police at 5.45 p.m. and reported his wife missing. Police sent to other area police departments a BOLO, the acronym for Be on the Lookout. And Janice's family checked in on some of her known running spots. Her car wasn't in any of their parking lots. The search was suspended after night fell, but the family made plans for a more organized hunt in the morning. Ken Christensen couldn't wait. The night had been a restless one. When he finally dozed off, he dreamt of his wife falling. At the crack of dawn, he grabbed a flashlight and a blanket, and he and Wolf set out. Just before 6.30 a.m., he reached the bike and hike trail in Hudson Township. Janice's car wasn't in the parking lot, but it was a path she frequented. With Wolf at his heels, he started down the isolated trail, bordered on both sides by wild, thick underbrush, while Ken called his wife's name. Suddenly, Wolf stopped and started acting strange. Ken was afraid to look. Then he followed Wolf's lead. He pushed through the underbrush, and there, some 20 to 30 feet in, he found her. Janice lay on the ground, partially undressed. Her T-shirt was covered in blood. Ken touched her arm. It was cold. Ken ran from the brush, smashed his flashlight on the ground, and raced to the nearest house in the sparsely populated neighborhood. Near hysterical, he pleaded with a homeowner to call the police. Elsewhere, Janice's brothers had already woken and, armed with their search plans, made their way to the Hudson Trailhead. They were surprised to find police crime scene tape that prevented them from continuing. A pickup truck arrived, and a man in coveralls with the word coroner printed on the back got out. We found your sister's body, he told them. Wilma Smith of Channel 5 in Cleveland broke the news to a Northeast Ohio audience. The dragnet is out for the murderer of 30-year-old Janice Christensen. Three police departments in and around her home of Cuyahoga Falls are searching for her killer. Elaine Tack says they have few leads, and this big city crime in a small suburb has people frightened. The bike and hike trail begins at the border of Stowe and Kent, and runs 22 miles northwest to the Cuyahoga County line, right through what was then Hudson Township, and today is the city of Hudson. It's part of the Summit County Metro Park system. In 1987, the parks had 20 rangers responsible for patrolling 11 parks that covered 6,500 acres. None of the rangers had visited the Hudson Trail on the day Janice was killed, but then again, Hudson Township was a safe, rural community with large, upscale homes and farmland. As a matter of fact, Janice's murder 
was the first serious incident to occur anywhere on the bike and hike trail since it had opened 14 years earlier. The day after Janice was found, the coroner confirmed she had been raped and stabbed to death, probably about 10 a.m. that Monday morning. Police found footprints around her body and something odd, a pair of long shoelaces that weren't hers lying near her feet. But where was her car? That question was answered a week later when the Toyota was discovered 12 miles northwest of Hudson in the parking lot of a Revco drugstore in the Cuyahoga County community of Bedford. Bedford Police Sergeant Dennis Heido spotted the car just before 6 p.m. that Sunday while making a routine check of the store's parking lot. It was at the corner of Northfield and Solon Roads. Store employees told him the car had been sitting there at least since Tuesday, the day after Janice had been killed. Hudson Township Police, which had the lead in the investigation since the Cuyahoga Falls woman had been found in their community, had the car hauled directly from the parking lot to the state's crime lab in Richfield to look for fingerprints and other potential evidence. The loss of Janice was keenly felt by those who knew her, Her neighbors told the Akron Beacon Journal she was a lovely young woman. Edna and John Urbank had lived next door to the Christensons for some seven years, and Janice regularly offered to help John unload hay to feed his cows and horses. Neighbor Philip Urbank also spoke to Channel 5. She liked to run and do uh, the physical pumping iron and work out at a gymnasium and... uh, She did a lot of work, and she's a very nice neighbor to have here, a lot of fun. But Janice's death would affect more than just those who loved her, because, as it would happen, hers would be the first of four murders that darkened the holiday season of 1987. The second happened October 21st, 47-year-old Joanne Bartholomew, who owned a Dairy Queen in Cuyahoga Falls with her husband, Chuck, left choir practice at the First Church of God in Talmadge, but never returned home. The next day, after a long night of searching, a family member found her car outside O'Neill's department store at Chapel Hill Mall. Inquiries inside revealed she had made some purchases. Apparently, she never made it back to her car. It would take two days to find her body, partially nude in a wooded area behind one of the stores near the mall. She had been raped and stabbed to death. The third murder happened December 14. 36-year-old Marcia K. Potter said goodbye to her parents at St. Martha's Catholic Church in Akron after an evening of bingo. They watched as she locked her car doors something she had been reminding friends to do because the two earlier murders had her spooked. The next morning, after her husband Larry woke up to realize his wife never made it home, the search began. And a day later, residents at an apartment complex off North Pershing Avenue in Akron spotted Marcia's missing car. She was inside, stabbed to death just six blocks from home. Five days later, a fourth murder. It was Saturday, December 19, 
and 17-year-old Barbara Blatnick had gone to a friend's party not far from her Garfield Heights home. She called her parents at 10.30 p.m. to say she'd be headed there shortly, and her mom fell asleep on the couch waiting for her, but she didn't make it. Early the next morning, before the waking Blatniks had the chance to report Barbara missing, the police were knocking on their door. An oil and gas worker had found the body of their youngest daughter in a wooded area off O'Neill Road near Blossom Music Center in Cuyahoga Falls. She was naked and had been raped and strangled. Four women in five months, all average middle-class moms, wives, daughters, killed doing absolutely routine activities. Not people in high-risk neighborhoods or involved in high-risk activities like drugs or prostitution. They were playing bingo, jogging, shopping, going to a party with friends. Three of them were sexually assaulted before being killed. Akron and its suburbs to the north were on edge. Were the murders connected? There certainly seemed to be similarities. Groups started holding self-defense classes for women. Husbands and fathers were accompanying their wives and daughters on everyday errands. Pepper spray sales were sky high. Hudson Detective Brian Kozel, the latest investigator to inherit the Christensen case, said there was no doubt the murders affected many area residents. It's a very unsettling time for females who were targeted at the time. So 1987 was, uh, understandably, a very difficult time to, to, to live in the Akron region. Because the crimes crossed jurisdictional boundaries, a task force was formed to look at the murders as a group. Prosecutor Lynn Slaby pulled together representatives from Akron, Cuyahoga Falls, Hudson Township, Summit County, and the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation. We cannot tolerate this, he said. We must find a way to bring these individuals or the individual responsible for these terrible crimes to justice. After a few attempts at brainstorming, the task force quietly dissolved with no evidence that any of the murders were connected. Only time could solve that question. And last year, we learned that at least one of the murders was not like the others. New technology that can identify an unknown DNA profile by tracing its family genealogy, linked in the Barbara Blatnick case to a 67-year-old Cleveland man named James Zastonic. Last summer, 33 years after Barbara was killed, he was arrested, indicted, and is awaiting trial. In Janice's case, there have been suspects, and Detective Kozel said while many people still want to compare her case to those of the still-unsolved Bartholomew and Potter murders. There was actually another rape case at the time that might be more promising. As a matter of fact, police may have a sketch of Janice's killer. Four months before her death, on Memorial Day weekend, a 17-year-old Cuyahoga Falls girl was raped at knife point along a secluded path in the Summit County Metro Park's Hampton Hills Park, 
off West Bath Road in Cuyahoga Falls. The girl helped police create a composite sketch of her assailant. He was white, 55 to 60 years old, 155 pounds and thin, with a wrinkled, ruddy or sunburned face. He had dark but graying hair, a full mustache, and silver-framed glasses with thick lenses. In addition to the obvious similarities in the Janice Christensen case, a park, a rape, a knife, there was this. The attacker in the Hampton Hills case bound her wrists with shoelaces that he brought with him. And he took the keys to her car. Detective Kozel said the similarities are undeniable. That female reported she was um, put in a headlock and dragged off the trail as she was as she was walking along the trail and sexually assaulted. She was bound with uh, shoelaces, and the the suspect took her keys. When Janice was found, she was found with a pair of shoelaces at her feet. So these shoelaces, we have them. So you're talking about a time span of a few months, few short months between the incidents. You have shoelaces in common, you have a sexual assault in common, and the suspect at the time took both victims' keys. The man in that sketch has never been identified. But Kozel said he keeps an open mind about all the possibilities, including other suspects that were questioned over the years. Two months after Janice was killed, a 47-year-old Joseph Siraz was arrested and indicted in three different rape cases. He denied being involved in Janice's death and no evidence was found. And it's noteworthy that the weapon he threatened his victims with was a gun, not a knife. Still, in 2010, Akron police finally proved he wasn't just a rapist, but a killer. DNA linked him to an old case, the shooting murder of Mary Robinson in her Akron apartment less than a month after Janice was killed. And then three years after Janice was killed, police visited another rape suspect. It was August of 1990, and a 16-year-old girl was raped at knife point along Summit County Metro Park's bike path in Sagamore Hills. The man arrested was Jorge Torres, a 39-year-old with a long and violent rap sheet that included previous rape and assault convictions and time in prison for the manslaughter of a Cleveland man. But Torres refused to speak with investigators about the Christensen case. And while he was convicted for the Sagamore Hills rape, there was no evidence to tie him to Janice. After Janice's death, Ken Christensen found that he couldn't stay in the same town. The landmarks in and around Caga Falls triggered painful memories. I couldn't even go shopping without looking at everybody as suspects, Ken told the Beacon Journal for a 20th anniversary story. So Ken kept the plans he had made with Janice and moved to Florida, where he buried himself in work with exotic animals. He eventually remarried and became a father and in time returned to Northeast Ohio. There have been changes for the Hudson Police as well. It went from a township police department to a city police department. And detectives that pursue Janice's killer for more than 30 years have retired and been replaced. 
The march of time has also changed forensic technology. Last year, after Hudson Detective Kozel learned advancements in DNA identification had named a suspect in the Barbara Blatnick case, he cracked open his department's only unsolved homicide. It wasn't the first time. He looked through the Christensen files as soon as he became a detective three years ago. But the Blatnick case was a game changer. He knew there was DNA evidence on Janice, and he sensed the years may have finally caught up with the man who left it behind. He called the new cold case unit set up by the Ohio Attorney General's office and resubmitted old evidence with new hope. Technology is absolutely remarkable. When you think my predecessors put boots to the ground and did hundreds of hours of interviews, neighbors, friends, family, looked into every aspect of any possibility, tips, the tips that came in back in 1987 and 88 and all over the years, just the, the, the amount of hours in the investigation. And now it might just be possible to solve this case with a single test. We're fortunate to live in an age where it's available, and even more so to be able to bring, you know, someone to justice, possibly. Ohio has long had a criminal investigation unit to help solve crimes, but the cold case initiative Hudson is taking advantage of was just started by the Attorney General's office in March of 2020. While the unit is available to any agency, most of those taking advantage of it are from smaller communities, like Hudson, where staff and resources are limited. Roger Davis, supervisor of the cold case unit, said each case begins by collecting existing files, digitizing them so they are preserved and easily shared, then resubmitting the most promising evidence for reevaluation. Then, several departments ranging from experts in criminal investigation to the forensic lab, review everything together. It's a multidiscipline strategy that hasn't been applied to these cases before. Say since last March, uh, we have probably done 40 to 50 of these type reviews. And the vast majority, the laboratory has been fantastic in turnaround times of maybe a couple months on, on the evidence that's submitted just depending, you know, it's relative to the amount of items submitted. Still, speed is dependent on many factors. It's impossible to say if or when anything will break in the Christensen case. But Lindsay Mussel, who heads the state team in charge of the Christensen review, shares some of Detective Kozel's optimism. We do have good evidence in this case. If anyone has information that might help investigators, please call Hudson Police Department Detective Brian Kozel at 330-342-1871. The composite sketch of the 1987 rapist in the Hampton Hills case can be viewed at beaconjournal.com, ohiomysteries.com, or by clicking the link in our episode notes. Thank you for listening.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.